I'm Alec Baldwin, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to the THN 2013 Golden Babel Awards brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee. Ladies and gentle nerds, please take your seats. Thank you, thank you. It's, it's wonderful to be here. We want to thank you all for joining us. My name is Matt Baum, and it is a pleasure to welcome you to the third annual THN Golden Beppo Awards, where we are celebrating the year in comics for 2013. But before we get into it, as always, I am joined by my questionably heterosexual life mate, Joe Patrick. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Joe Patrick. Questionably heterosexual? We want sure. It's, uh, it's fuzzy. Anyway, this is getting into a weird gray area, and that we're having identity crises. <laughs> all year, you've heard Matt and I praising and griping about all things comic book, and today, we're going to hand out awards for damn near every aspect of the comic world. We begin, as we always do, with the new guys. Matt, who was your best new character for 2013 this is a tough one and when i first started thinking about it i kind of thought to myself there isn't a lot of to pick from but i was totally wrong once You're i dug totally into it wrong totally wrong my golden beppo for best new character for 2013 goes to sledgehammer 44 from dark horse created by john arcudi and mike mignola he's a giant armor golem essentially with the ghost of a soldier from World War II inside of it. He's another perfect addition to the Hellboy BPRD universe. Absolutely awesome. We've only seen four issues of this so far this year. I love this character. I love where it's going. Honorable mention goes to Paul Pope's Battling Boy. So cool. <laughs> There's a G on the end of that. Battling Boy. I know, but it's more fun to say Battling Boy. <laughs> Joe Patrick. Who does your golden Beppo for best new character go to? My Beppo for best new character goes to Greg Rucka's Forever Carlisle. Excellent choice. From the book Lazarus, uh, drawn by Michael Lark. This is a new series from Image. Uh, Forever Carlisle, or Eve as they call her, is a genetically modified, I don't know. Badass. Golem. <laughs> <laughs> she is a family member, uh, sort of, but not really genetically modified to be the defender of the carlisle family so she is while she's technically part of the family she's always on the outside of the family looking in and she is starting to doubt her allegiance to that family and that they have their best interests her best interests at heart it's a very compelling story eve is a very compelling character totally badass she's more or less a test tube baby that was grown to be a badass to defend the family and its assets in a dystopian future. Right. And I'm loving every minute of her story. And as she kind, kind of pieces together, you know, what's going on and the betrayals and the backstabbings and what, and for the first time thinking about striking out against the family, it's awesome to watch. She's my best character, best new character of 2013. I love it. Oh, I want to be your backup man. Well, every main character is nothing without a great supporting cast. And as we do every year, we are awarding a Beppo for the best supporting character of the year. Matt Bomb, who gets your Beppo? This was also one that I thought about for best new character because I love the character so much. But they weren't featured quite enough for me to throw them in there. I'm going to go with Anachronism 
from Avengers Arena. He was a fat kid that loved playing video games. And one day he was possessed by the body, actually flung into the body of a Celtic warlord with a giant axe. Yeah, that's rad. (laughs) And he's plagued by the previous person who was also flung into the body who is a violent lunatic and wants only to destroy and kill and maim. And he constantly kind of battles with the fact that he's a sweet kid and a nice guy, but when he's in the body of this Celtic warlord, he just wants to murder. (laughs) Kev Walker did an excellent job illustrating this character. Totally loved him in this book. One of the spoiler alert, one of the survivors, my favorite supporting character. (laughs) For 2013. He's he's going to be one of the stars of Avengers yeah. Underground. We're going to so see more that's from already him. Been announced. And I'm excited about that character. Joe Patrick, the Golden Beppo for your best supporting character. My vote goes to an unlikely source. Uh, not a person at all, really. Uh, my Beppo for best supporting character goes to Lion Cat from Saga. I thought about Lion Cat, too. <laughs> Lion Cat says one thing. That's it. It tells you when a person's lying. That's all it does. But thanks to the masterful writing of Brian K. Vaughn and the storytelling of Fiona Staples, Lion Cat has been part of some of the greatest moments of the year in that book. Uh, I'm going to spoil a little bit for you. Uh, What really won my heart with Lion Cat this year was a scene with uh, Sophie, the slave girl that gets rescued from sex prison by uh, a bounty hunter called the will that's the name of my forthcoming autobiography rescued from sex prison right and sophie is laying on lion cat in the grass on some idyllic planet and she starts saying you know all the things that she was brainwashed to believe like she's a terrible person and all the things that happened to her are her fault and everybody that she loves is gonna get hurt and it'll all be her fault etc etc and Lion Cat the whole time is just like laying there seemingly asleep. And the cat raises his head just long enough to say, tell her that she's lying. <laughs> and so just in that one page, that one scene with that one word, Lion Cat is able to help that character kind of come to terms with what's happened to her and let her know that she's all right. And what a kick ass device to do it. Yeah, too. man. That's just amazing. Lion Cat, one of the best. Also, when we thought that she was going to die, when she gets ejected from the spaceship, and and I like when that cliffhanger happened, I was like actually upset. <laughs> I was very sad. For a so, kitty cat. Yeah. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. Well, it's often used as a ploy in comics, but it seems we from just can't get enough of it when people die. One of my favorite solicitations is always ends with, Somebody dies! Right. <laughs> Joe Patrick, who gets the Golden Beppo for your best death of 2013? Usually, the best death has gone to a major character, a hero or a villain or somebody. I think for the past few years, it's actually been a hero in both of our books. Usually, yeah. And this year, I went with something different. My favorite death of 2013 came in the pages of Infinity Number 4. Okay, I picked this too. (laughs) That's my favorite as well. (laughs) Thor, seemingly in an act of compliance, throws away his hammer 
Well, before that, it no, begins. Like, before you get into that, it begins like the setup for the scene. Well, yeah, they're like, you sent someone to talk to the builders and try and deal with them, and Captain America's like, yeah, I sent my best my diplomat. Best, yeah. <laughs> so Thor, Thor is meeting with the builders, and they say, get rid of that hammer, chump. You know, we're, like, no we're, weapons allowed. No weapons allowed. We're your masters now. You're here to serve us. And Thor complies, ha ha ha, by chucking his hammer into space. Yeah, spins it just kind of straight up in the air. He's like, no problem. <laughs> there it goes. And as he's talking to the builders, you see the hammer just hurtling through space, gaining speed as it goes until it finally arcs around a sun. Yeah. And flies straight back into Thor's hand through the chest of the builder. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> like, I put the comic down and threw both fists up into the air. Yeah. That was one of my favorite moments and my vote. Arguably the coolest thing Thor's ever done with his hammer. <laughs> it was pretty rad. <laughs> it was amazing. And you get to see like the shot of it is like the builder standing with his arms back and a hole punched <laughs> through his chest and Thor's hand like catching the hammer on right. the other side. And like, he does it like so cool. Jerome Pena drew it and yes. it was amazing. And he does it in front of a room full of like enslaved like Cree accusers, Ronin is well, there. Well, on the planet, yeah. It's on and, like the Cree homeworld, and all the accusers watch it happen. And from there, <laughs> Thor is able to say, Are you with me? Yeah. And he rallies <laughs> the Cree yeah. behind their cause. All the accusers raise their hammer. Yeah. It's like the final uh, page. It's Thor saying with his hammer up, and all the accusers. <laughs> Well, you can't have a death without a return, and we like to give a Golden Beppo to a character or a series sure. that has made its return in the year 2013. As we know, nothing stays dead in That's the comic right. book world. <laughs> Matt Bomb, what is your pick for best return? My best return may not technically be a resurrection, but I had to go with it because the series has been so damn good. I'm going Hellboy in hell. We saw him die. It was one of the best comics I've ever read in my life. And now we're seeing him literally in hell. <laughs> and so he's not really back to life. But Mike Mignola is leading us on a crazy, weird, occult, wild ride following Hellboy flung into the depths of hell. And it has been amazing. My Golden Beppo, Hellboy in hell. Joe Patrick. Who gets a golden bevel for your best return? My best return, hands down, goes to Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Really? With one issue? With one issue. On the strength of one issue. Wow. I've been anticipating it for what seems like ages. Okay. And they came back, they put out one issue and knocked it out of the park. And I was so happy to see it return that I am gladly waiting as long as they care to make me wait for the next installment. Well, doesn't hurt having J.H. Williams on the books. That's right. Uh, honorable mention for me in this category goes to Jonathan Hickman's Secret from Image Comics, ah. which made its return after, I believe, two whole years. <laughs> it did vanish for a while. With a third and a fourth issue yeah. to date. And it's been amazing. It I got I reread one and two and then read three and four. Wonderful. It's an excellent book. Well, you can't have a good hero without a good villain. And every year, we hand out a Golden Beppo Award to the meanest, nastiest comic book villain of that year. Joe Patrick, who gets the Beppo for your best villain? All right. 
This was an easy one for me. This was a tough one for me. This was an easy one for me, and my pick might get a few arguments, but huh. hands down, the vilest villain of 2013 for me, Otto Octavius. I knew it. I knew you AKA were going to go there. The Superior Spider-Man. I knew you were going there. Anyone who thinks that he is actually a hero is duped. Okay. <laughs> Everything that he does is in, is in support of some agenda, and even if he thinks that he's trying to do the right thing. Even if there's a voice of Peter Parker in there nudging him to do the right thing. I know that everything, I cannot forget that everything that led him to this path yeah. was built on the dead body of Peter Parker. Pretty much. He's a bad guy. <laughs> he's out there alienating Peter's friends, ignoring his family, following his own agenda. Yes, he's doing good things. He's being really nice to Aunt May, though. Maybe. Really nice. uh, Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's doing quote-unquote good things but is he really if we if we look back at the year if we look back at the agenda that he's serving is this going to all come to a violent end for him i think it is i think that oh, all of this oh yeah there's going to be a false fall, heroism there's going to be a fall of Otto octavius and it's going to be bad <laughs> and i don't like some people might say that this is a redemption story you don't have a redemption story that starts with somebody murdering somebody else it's true Otto Octavius. Matt Baum, who gets your pick for best villain? One of my favorite things is when a writer takes a C or D list villain and makes them into so much more than they have ever been. And I've got to say, this year, Dennis Hopeless did it to Arcade in the pages of Avengers Arena. Arcade, the long forgotten, really stupid X-Men villain that used to build gigantic death traps that were circus and game themed for the X-Men. In this one, Arcade, as you know, built an island where he plucked out a bunch of young Avengers recruits, or not just Avengers, but young superhero recruits from several different schools, Wolverine School, Avengers Academy, the Braddock Academy. He brought them all to an island and made them fight Battle Royale style, and he had near godlike properties to him when he's on the island. He had the help of someone else who brought him back. I loved Arcade this year. Like we said, heroes and villains are essential to e each other's existence. Two sides of the same coin. So, we have a best hero category. Matt Bomb, name your best hero of 2013. My best hero, Beppo, goes to Otto Octavius as a <laughs> superior Spider-Man. <laughs> I knew, and the second you said your villain, I loved it. Because just as you said, yes, he's scheming, he's got an agenda. But Otto Octavius, technically, right now, is a good guy. We don't know why he's doing everything. He's not, though. He's but not he, a good guy. He believes he's doing it for the right reasons. I don't think he does. And he is still a hero. And I think the most interesting hero in the Marvel Universe right now. He's conflicted. He's evil. I agree. <laughs> but he's still acting as a hero. And I loved reading every issue of this this year. Otto Octavius, my best hero. Joe Patrick, who gets the Beppo for your best hero? My best hero. This one was a little tougher for me uh, because, well, I don't know why. Because I liked so many different books this year. Like There were so many great books from Marvel and from other uh, publishers. And it was hard to settle on one great hero that had the best, you know, moments to shine. But 
I settled on Thor for my best hero of 2013. That came up in my thinking too. On the strength of Jason Aaron's amazing relaunch of the series. Well, Thor had a hell of a year. On the strength of his very, very uh, key involvement in Infinity. Yeah. Thor gets my golden bevel for best hero. Had a pretty damn good movie this year, too. Thor 2. There you go. People loved it. Moving out of the character awards, we go into the series awards. And as always, we have to start with our best new series for 2013. Joe Patrick, who gets your golden bevel? This was hard. This was hard for me there because... There was a lot of new stuff. There, not only was there a lot of great new stuff this year, but also a lot of the things I loved uh, shipped so many issues right. this year that it was hard to remember what actually launched in 2012. I would also argue that there was so much great stuff that launched in like no- September, November, December yeah, that we've really was... only seen like one or oh, two issues. Yes, of. exactly. And I will say that that is why my award did not go to something like Velvet. Right. Or uh, black science or sex criminals because we've only had a handful of those issues and they still are needing time to. And they to look grow. great. They're probably going to be awesome. It's certainly not for lack of my enjoyment, but my Bebo for best new series, the series that I was not only consistently enjoying every single month, but I was also very pleasantly surprised by where I thought it was one thing and it turned out to be another Avengers Arena. Nice. From Marvel. I was, I was right there with you on that one, but it did not get my award. I'm giving Thor God of Thunder an honorable mention, but ultimately... It technically started in the end of 2012. It did. And I guess, I mean, there's a semantic argument there. It's still, with only one or two issues mm-hmm. at the end of the year, it's still a new series in 2013. Right. But... Um, I would allow it, if that's what you right. want to do. But uh, I have not been loving the current arc as much as I liked the first two arcs. Okay. And I was so floored by the quality of Avengers Arena that it had to get my pick. Right on. Well, who gets your Beppo for best new series? I had to go with East of West from Mm. Image, written by Jonathan Hickman with amazing art by Nick Dragota. It's a space western, but it is so much more than that. I recently caught up to shotgun to like the last six issues that I hadn't read yet. This series is incredible. It is epic. It is huge. It is bizarre. And it is Jonathan Hickman, like, free of the nets. Yeah, dude. <laughs> he can do whatever he wants this world. And I cannot wait to see more of it. East of West gets my best new series, Golden Bell. Yeah, I love it. That's a great pick. There's always one series that's deserving of wider attention. And so... We designate one Golden Beppo for the best series you're not reading. You might be reading it. You might be reading it, but not but enough more of more people need to be reading it. It's true. But all of that does not fit on the Beppo. No. So it's just best series you're not reading. Yep. <laughs> Matt Baum, what's your pick for this category? My best series that you guys may not be reading this year goes to Fatal from Image, written by Ed Brubaker with art by Sean Phillips. This series is amazing it's creepy it's weird it's mysterious it's pulpy it's got everything vampires aliens satanists murder mystery (laughs) like everything is here and for some reason people stopped reading it 
Like, I remember 2012 when it came out, we it, roared about how cool it was. Certainly people are reading it, but it seems like people have stopped talking about it. It does. It seems like all interest has died off and numbers on their sales have gone down a little bit. I love this book. If you forgot it or you've just got a pile of them you need to catch up on, do so. You will love it too. Joe Patrick, what series do you think more people need to be reading? This one is was hard for me to gauge because it's not like we can look at sales numbers. Yeah, we can. Not for this. Oh. And I feel like... Oh, gotcha. I see where you're going. <laughs> right. And I feel like it doesn't get mentioned a whole lot. Like, whenever it's new, people are like, oh, yeah. Right. This thing exists. But you don't often hear it talked about the same way you hear the latest Image or Marvel or DC releases talked about. And right. that is The Private Eye by Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin. I just caught up on all these last night. It is an amazing digital comic yeah. produced in widescreen format for tablets. Right. Or, I mean, you can read it on your PC too. Yeah. It is published in a pay-what-you-want model, downloaded directly from their website with no DRM. It is an amazing experiment in digital releases, like the trusting people to support you if the work is good. Right. You know, musicians have done it in the past, and Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin have done it with an amazing story set in a future where privacy is a thing of the past, and now people are just desperately trying to cling to whatever anonymity they can get. They wear masks out in public. Right. You know, the, the whole Facebook, Twitter... The whole story is the internet basically exploded. Yeah, the, the cloud. And everyone's dirty secrets became right. available to everyone yes and so now privacy has moved past privacy to anonymity right. where people wear masks and change their face and change their name and how does a private investigator investigate anything in a world where no one is who they actually are <laughs> like, it's, it's a, a wonderful it's incredible it's a wonderful series beautifully drawn of course by marcos martin yes and I feel like everyone should be reading this. There's no excuse not to. If you want to be a jerk and kick them a dollar each issue, you can. In fact, I don't think you need to pay at you all. You can punch in zero right. in, the, like, in the call your price box or whatever. So read this series by any means necessary. And don't be a dick. Give the guys some support. I was giving them five bucks an issue. Yeah. It's well worth it. It's a wonderful experience. And more of you need to be reading. Totally. I know we all are exhausted by them, and I know event fatigue has become a serious problem in the emotional spectrum of <laughs> the comic book nerd universe, but we cannot ignore them, and now it's time to talk about the best crossover slash event comic of 2013, <laughs> Joe Patrick. The, the, I know it hurts. The emotional spectrum. <laughs> Does it have its own ring? Yeah, no, it has its is own there color. One, is there one ring that's powered by... It's a puce ring. <laughs> it's, powered, it's powered by event fatigue? Yeah, it's a puce ring. And every time a nerd goes, oh, it gets a little stronger. It, it makes really <laughs> snarky web posts. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, this for me was a no-brainer. There are events aplenty every year, multiple events from the same publisher within the same year. Marvel's had two or three, DC's had two or three, even Valiant had one. Yeah. 
uh, Harbinger Wars, which was super fun. It was incredible. But without a doubt, without even thinking about it, my best event Beppo goes to Infinity. Mine too. From Marvel Comics. This was a six-issue miniseries by Jonathan Hickman with art by Jim Chung, Jerome Pena, and Dustin Weaver. Featured the return of Thanos, the Avengers versus the Builders. They know what it is. We cover high the hell stakes, out of it. Tie-ins <laughs> that matter. Yeah. It's set said, the status quo for the Marvel Universe going into Inhumanity. Going into 2014. What happens next with the Avengers teams? It did not. It stuck the landing, yep. unlike a lot of Marvel events. Yeah. Age of Ultron was the was an event that wrapped up in 2014. Yeah. Did not stick the landing. 2013. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, 2013. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Did not stick the landing. Nope. Even though I enjoyed it up to the end. So, without a doubt, this was perfectly executed there are some haters out there and you know who you are yeah that complained about it being a little too obtuse i disagree i loved every second of it i did too i don't think you can argue that jonathan hickman can play with the big boys now and has more than proved it it's my best event for 2013 as well <laughs> however i wanted part of me really wanted to talk about unity i just haven't seen enough of it yet it has been fun so much fun but it's just too new but is it an event oh totally because unity is like an ongoing yeah but it's crossing over with almost everything in the value universe like the whole value universe has led up to it i mm. think it's definitely an event there you go. sometimes the best comics know when to quit they come in they tell their story and they get out they don't overstay their welcome they're the perfect length we call them miniseries, and every year we give a Beppo for the best miniseries of the year. Matt, who gets your Beppo for 2013? There was a million really good miniseries this year, and looking through the list, I was almost overwhelmed, but the one that stuck out the most for me is one that I just read recently. Absolutely adored Six-Gun Gorilla from Boom, written by Simon Spurrier with art by Jeff Stokely, who is one of my new favorite artist. That guy is incredible. And this was more than just a monkey with guns. <laughs> Pardon me. A big ape with guns in a <laughs> Wild you. West dystopian future. This was so meta. And the story starts like that based on people who are losers that sign up to commit suicide on what is basically national TV for the viewing enjoyment of a populace that has just lost the idea of storytelling. It's gone. This is reality TV taken to its logical conclusion and what happens to the world when that happens. And I'm not going to go into it, but there's such a wonderful twist. Essentially, the end of the book, comic books save the world. <laughs> and it's so good. I loved this series. Six-Gun Gorilla gets my Golden Beppo for best miniseries. Joe Patrick, tell me about yours. My favorite miniseries of the year was... Wild Blue Yonder from IDW. You loved that. I, I really still haven't did. read it. I really did. Wild Blue Yonder was written by Mike Raked. And I'm sorry about that name, Mike. I think you're right. I think it's Raked. Austin Harrison and Zach Howard with art by Zach Howard. You might know Zach Howard from his work on The Cape. Oh, he's really good. Yeah. He's uh, really good. An amazing artist. Mike Raked co-writes Stuff of Legend. One of our favorites. That's right. Friend of the show. Totally forgot. Wild Blue Yonder takes place in a future setting where uh, we have basically strip mined the environment to death. And it's toxic to live on the ground. 
And so humanity has taken to the skies. And it's water in, world in the air. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> it's water world in the air. Gotcha. And they live on flying fortresses, and and sometimes they have to like dive down to to mine for resources. And you've got these guys that fly uh, planes around these fortresses, protecting it. And on the planes flying around are guys with jetpacks that act as essentially guns like rocketeers yeah sort of like they launch from these planes to fight other planes in midair cool and so you've got this group of humans struggling to survive they're being chased by a vicious sky pirate and they're just trying Those to make are the it worst man kind i know it has been wonderful is it concluded is it over it is not concluded okay. it's only about halfway through so they could still drop the ball <laughs> yes, they, they could still drop the ball. He could move into the world of hardcore pornography. <laughs> and it does come out kind of slowly. But this was a Kickstarter that was successfully funded, so they got the money to put it out in comic book form. I wish I had known about the Kickstarter in advance because I would have loved to have supported this. It's wonderful. The villain uh, who is named The Judge is super scary, and the the close-knit family that lives on the, the Flying Fortress is a lot of fun. There's kind of a weird, like, grease monkey guy that trains the main character. Gotta have a grease monkey. Uh, I love it. I love every second of it. I love the art. The writing is great. If you haven't read Wild Blue Yonder, check it out. It's my best mini of the year. Not all comic book series creators and heroes start out great. But every year, we like to give an award that we call Most Improved to the Little Creator Series character whatever that could and this year this year we saw a lot of hopefuls for this category but joe patrick what was your most improved golden beppo given for this year i'm giving my most improved i'm giving my most improved beppo to deadpool a character that i have been actively avoiding i have deadpool fatigue for years now. I've been suffering for it for years now. I was a fan. It could be a matter of blood flow. <laughs> I was a, if your Deadpool lasts for more than four hours, <laughs> call a physician. <laughs> I was a fan in the 90s with Joe Kelly and Christopher Priest. Oh, yeah. Rapidly lost track as writers kind of lost the point of him. Actively dodged the Daniel Way run like it was poison. Only to have him kind of revived by... Writers Jerry Duggan and Brian Plassane with art by Terry Moore at first. And, and now I believe it's kind of rotating. Yeah. All good, though. Everybody on the yeah. has been great. And that also part of the improvement came from Rick Remender and his efforts. He did a lot to keep the character alive. No, definitely. But yeah, Deadpool, I think, has gotten a lot better this year after several years of me hating the character. Yeah. I'm giving an honorable mention to Action Comics. As written by Greg Pak and drawn by Aaron Cooter. Really? Yes, because it had... Once Grant Morrison left, it became a, a carbon copy of the Superman title by Scott Lobdell. Yeah. Zero interest in reading... And they just didn't know what to do with that it. That nonsense. Yeah. But <clears throat> Greg Pak and Aaron Cooter came on the book. They've only had two issues, which is why they only get an honorable mention. And in that short span of time, really captured what I love about that character. And even though it's the modern Superman with the stupid nano suit and all of the weird nonsense Blech. that came with the reboot, 
they are writing a Superman that I actually like to read. And it's been a long time since I've had that. Oh, let's pick those up. I've not read them. Yeah, 25 and 26. Just jump on there. Matt Bomb, who is your most improved of 2013? My most improved Golden Beppo goes to Star Wars from Dark Horse, written by Brian Wood with art by Carlos Danda. I've liked Carlos Danda for quite a while now, but his art on this series is stunning. And stunning in a sense that, yes, there's probably some photo reference going on here because his Princess Leia looks like Princess Leia. His Luke Skywalker look, looks like Luke Skywalker. His Han Solo looks like Han, but it's not an annoying amount of photo referencing from the characters. I'm not talking about tracing over photos. I'm just talking about that's what Carrie Fisher looked like. That's what Luke Skywalker looks like. Not to mention the fact that Dark Horse has been doing a really good job with Star Wars for a long time, but I have no emotional connection to their Star Wars universe. And the majority of it, although it's well-written and well-drawn, doesn't feel like Star Wars to me. Brian Wood has recaptured what I love about episodes four, five, and six of Star Wars and those characters and just given us a wonderful, fun, human, action-adventure sci-fi comic. I love Brian Wood's Star Wars. It's a great pick. Got me excited for Star Wars again. That's hard to do. Not reading it. Should be. I know. Listen, we all love superhero comics. Not this guy. But what is even better than superhero comics is a superhero comic where a bunch of superheroes hold hands and fight bad guys together. We give one award every year to the best team book, Map Bomb. What's your pick? This year, my best team book goes to Green Team from DC. Liar! I'm totally kidding. (laughs) My best team book, there was no way I could fight it, and it started out as what I thought was a really hackneyed idea to sell even more X-Men comics, but Brian Michael Bendis' all-new X-Men has been so consistently good Yep, and just a fantastic look at the young X-Men living with the adult X-Men. There's all kinds of time travel wackiness. We just got more future X-Men came back for the Battle of the Atom, and they were all cool, although I would add... It didn't end as great as I thought it, it, it did was not going stick to. the landing on that event. It, it really didn't. Right. But it wasn't terrible. No, no, no. Now, all new X-Men standalone has just been amazing. Yes. With some like the art by Stuart Immonman is just beautiful. There were so many other guys that worked on this too that were fantastic. David Marquez. Yeah. Uh, I mean Brandon Peterson drew, I think, issues. the most recent issue. Yeah, filling issues by some of the best out there. I love this team book. Joe Patrick. It's my pick as well. I don't think you can avoid it. No. Uh, what what I love love about all new X Men is that uh, unlike other X books where X Men come and go, like you might one month the X Men might be Rogue, Jubilee, Cyclops, Wolverine, Storm, and then the next month it's like Nah, Storm got pissed and quit. Now it's Gambit. Yeah, this is always about the same five X Men plus Kitty Pride and now X twenty three. Right, and even though they have spoiler alert left the Jean Grey school. The book is following their adventure specifically. Yeah, not, definitely. It's not staying at the school. It's very much a Kitty Pride centric book. Right. And it that's is, what I really like about it. It is following a core group, not a rotating group like a lot of team books. And that, I think, is its strength. Kitty Pride almost <clears throat> got my most improved. 
because I love what they've done with the characters so much. I love Professor K. I love that she's a total yeah, badass. But, I mean, she wasn't I bad she, before. She wasn't bad. I just think she's so much more interesting now that she stepped up and she's basically the new Professor X, like leading the yeah. school. Yeah, she, it's rad. She's great. All New X-Men is a great book. No matter how much you might want to deny it, it is wonderful, and I love it. It gets my Beppo as well. Hold on to There's certain genres of comic books that deserve categories of their own because there's so damn many of them. So now we get into the genre awards. Not a whole lot of them to talk about. For instance, we don't have a best Western. <laughs> no. <laughs> but we do have a best sci-fi series. Joe Patrick, who gets your golden Beppo for the best sci-fi series out there right now? Nowhere Men from Image Comics. I've got to read it. By Eric Stevenson and Nate Bellagarde. I don't know if that's how you say it, but that's how I'm saying it, wow. because it's got a flourish. In simplest terms, Nowhere Men is the story of the Beatles if they were scientists. Rockstar scientists. And if they were as beloved as the Beatles, and what happens to a world where celebrity scientists are able to do whatever they want. Oh my goodness. There's a lot more to it than that, and I'm not going to get into spoiler territory, but it is a wonderful ride. Uh, it starts in the past, and then it cuts to today, and how the world has been changed by their actions. And it is super compelling, and it's interspersed with old magazine interviews and f uh, fun ads and like things from this world that kind of fill in the gaps. Beautiful art by Bellagarde. It was late. The book took forever to put out one trade's worth of issues, but absolutely worth checking out. I got to pick that up. It's my best sci-fi series of the year. Matt, who gets your Beppo? My golden Beppo for best sci-fi once again goes to Profit from Image. Artwork by, pay attention to this list because every single one of these guys are going to be huge in the next couple of years. Simon Roy, Giannis, Milonogianis, mm -hmm. <laughs> Matt Sheehan, Malachi Ward, Joseph Bergen III, Jerry Lando, Ron Wimberly, James Stokoe, Aaron Conley, Bayard Baudin, Jessica Pollard, and Farrell Darlarimple. A really weird collection of names, but every one of these guys is amazing and has their own totally bizarre art style. Brandon Graham and then artist Simon Roy and Giannis Milogiannis write this book and they have collected some of the most incredible, weird, wacky talent out there right now to draw a sci-fi series with no rules whatsoever. It is completely bizarre. It is pure boiled down sci-fi. This is crack cocaine for sci-fi readers. I love this series. I wanted, I almost said Star Wars. But I thought it was a little unfair because Brianna Wood has a pretty easy palette to work with, you know, <laughs> the characters and everything. Here, they have invented a bizarre future universe that is unrecognizable from any other sci-fi story out there. I love it. Moving from the realm of science fiction to... The realm of sword and sorcery. You have to mention how you hate it. Or not. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to say that fantasy is not my thing because it's been pointed out many times that I always love it. That it is, in fact, your thing. <laughs> Best fantasy series, Matt Bomb. Who does your Beppo go to? 
Again, Brian Wood's name is coming up here. I have to give it to Conan the Barbarian. This has been another huge, strong year. We've beat this one into the dirt, talking about how good it is, and I know Wooly Toots agrees with us. I'm giving this to Conan, and the collection of amazing artists that work on each series is just breathtaking. Love this book. Joe Patrick, what's your best fantasy series? All right. I thought about this one a lot, because as I've said... Fantasy is not my bag. Here we go. It, it's not that. I, it's not that I don't enjoy it. It's just not my area of expertise. Is okay. that fair? All right. All right. So I'm stretching the rules a little bit, and I am awarding my best fantasy Beppo to Lock and Key from IDW. I mean, I can't argue with you because I don't read it. Yes, it's also a horror series, but it's also steeped in the fantastic. Uh, you know, there are magical keys that allow you grand powers and alternate dimensions and little nemo in dreamland type okay. sequences okay. where i'll buy it because i would argue if you had said the unwritten or fables i would count that as well as fantasy yeah so lock and key does straddle more than one genre but i'm giving it my best fantasy series of the year because it is a wonderful fantasy horror story and also because I'm not giving it my best horror award. Yeah, I was wondering. Lock and Key is from IDW by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. It just wrapped up. We reviewed, I reviewed the finale on last week's show. Highly recommend this series. You rolled around on the floor and made a huge mess while crying about it. And if you want to say I cheated just so that I could justify giving an award to Lock and Key, I won't argue. All right. Even though they scare the pants of poor Joe Patrick, I force him to read piles of horror comics every year. And horror, far and away, one of the most endearing genres in the comic book universe. So we have to give a best horror series, Golden Beppo. Joe Patrick, what scared you so bad this year you wet your pants? <laughs> well, I won't say that it scared me, but I definitely had a pick for best horror series. And my award, without a doubt, goes to the Baltimore series from Dark Horse. Yeah, man. I, I said it on a past show, how I had fallen very, very far behind in my Mike Mignola universe reading. Baltimore is not part of the Hellboy universe. It's a standalone thing. It's actually based on a novel. Well, it's not. It could fit into their history, though. No, but they have said that it's not. Okay. It, like, it's, it's just not. Okay. It, it's uh, based on a, a novel written by Mignola and Christopher Golden yes. about a, a man, Lord Henry Baltimore, whose family was murdered by a vampire, Lord Haggis, or Haggis, the, uh, a dark vampire. Or Haggis, like or a Haggis, Scottish yeah. This is uh, the series of minis is all about Baltimore's quest to track down and kill the vampire that murdered his family. And... As he is searching for him, he can't help but get wrapped up in crazy adventure after crazy adventure. Sure. And it has been an amazing ride. The last few Baltimore stories that came out this year, The Infernal Train yeah. was the most recent one, yeah. blew my mind. What's the name of the Inquisitor guy that's after him? I, I don't remember his he name. He almost made my best villain. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's so awesome. so scary. Yes. <laughs> and he's the good guy. And, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> But Baltimore is hands down my favorite horror read of the year, outpacing BPRD and Hellboy. Wow. 
that's how strong I think it is. Amazing art each time by Ben Stenbeck. Yeah, Great stuff. He's fantastic. Yeah. Matt Bomb, which horror series gets your Beppo? You guys know how much I love Hellboy and I love BPRD and Baltimore and all things Mike McNolliverse, but I had to give mine to The Wake from DC Vertigo, written by Scott Snyder with art by the incomparable Sean Murphy. This book is so interesting and just when you think you've got to figure it out when they told me that scott snyder was going to write a deep sea horror book like in the spirit of leviathan <laughs> it was just like who cares but they've done such a fantastic job with the science and the weirdness and the bigger universe they're building here he took a break from american vampire which is far and away one of the best horror series out there to do this it feels like a tv miniseries event to me and sean murphy's art here is just such high quality i love this had to give it to the wake but I had to give honorable mention to afterlife with archie which is too much fun and i cannot believe that archie comics is letting roberto aguiar sarcasa and francesco francovia get away with this it's amazing <laughs> totally great series yeah, the only reason Afterlife with Archie didn't get my pick is because it's only been a couple of years. Yeah, I need to see more of it. Man, it's great. As Yogi Berra once said, it ain't over till it's over. Every year we give one award to a completed story arc. One story that, upon its completion, stands apart as a wonderful piece of storytelling. And this is a story arc within a larger series. It could be. Yeah. I mean, I, if you wanted to say that uh, like a mini series gets your award, I guess you could. Oh, okay. But in general... That's what the mini series category is for, though. It's true. In general, though, I consider it to be a story arc contained within a longer running series. Yes. Matt Bomb, what was your pick for best story arc of 2012? There was no question here. This one jumped out at me immediately. I have to give this to the secret history of Tony Stark from Iron Man issues 9 through 17, written by Kieran Gillen with art mainly by Dale Eaglesham. There's a couple fill-ins here and there. It's so easy for creators to just jump back in the past and fart something new into a beloved character's origin or background. See batman throughout the late 90s <laughs> hush for example but here he was so delicate in weaving this totally bizarre story into tony stark's background where we find out that he may or may not have been a genetically altered baby by a robot from outer space <laughs> to survive and then we find out nope that's not even him that's his messed up brother spoilers man we didn't Are even gonna... know he had a brother you're gonna give away the ending i've got to it was so good and it turns out tony stark just a really smart guy <laughs> you know? man i loved this story kieran gillen even admitted at the end of the conclusion he wrote in the letters page, look, when I started writing Iron Man, I had no clue where I was going with it. Like, I just took the job because I was excited about it. And it wasn't until this story arc that he was like, oh, I know what I'm going to do and hit his stride. It was so great. Loved it. Joe Patrick, what was your favorite story arc for 2013? Who gets your golden Beppo? I have a tie. I could not decide. I thought you said no ties. No, 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 no. This arguably is one long story, even though it was split into two. I'll be the judge of that. My pick for best story arc of the year goes to the God Butcher slash God Bomb storyline 
took place in the pages of Thor, God of Thunder. Okay, okay. Yes, it was split into two. Yes, it had two different titles, but it is one long story of Gore, the God Butcher. Oof. A man who has made it his life's mission to murder all of the gods in existence. Also almost became my best villain. But since he came out in 2012, I like, couldn't do it. I took him off the list. Uh, you could have done it. I, I would have allowed it. I suppose. And Thor battles this being through time. Three different Thors from three different eras team up to fight somebody that has not only murdered thousands upon thousands of gods, but also enslaved gods to build a genocidal weapon. And it was such an amazing ride with art by Asad Ribic. I'm getting I'm excited just thinking about we it. We got it. This is disgusting. Best story arc of the year. God Butcher, God Bomb, Thor, God of Thunder from Marvel Comics. Wonderful stuff. Well, we don't get to read as many as I would like, but as you know, Joe Patrick and I read exactly 12 graphic novels. That's not true. <laughs> a year. Sometimes, <laughs> half of the time they're trades, they're, they're reprints. It's true. But we have to pick a best original graphic novel for the year of 2013. Yeah, again, even though I admit I didn't get to read enough of them, I was looking at everybody else's best of lives, and there's so much great looking stuff there, and I plan on reading a bunch more. But Joe Patrick... Tell us what wins your Golden Beppo for best original graphic novel of 2013. I've struggled in the past to pick a winner for this for the reasons you just said. We just simply don't make time to read enough of them. I know. And it's one of my New Year's resolutions. More original graphic novels. This year, though, I did read several. And it was difficult for me to pick a winner because it's almost impossible for me to not automatically give it to Darwin Cook Every time a new Parker book comes out. Of course. Of course. Slayground came out from IDW uh, a few weeks ago. I bought it and read it. It was amazing. Stunning. Of course it was. Incredible. All those things. Surprise, surprise. It is not my winner. My winner goes to Dark Horse Comics and The Fifth Beetle. Me too. By Vivek J. Tawari. Something like that. That's exactly right. (laughs) With art by Andrew Robinson. The story of Brian Epstein, the Beatles manager. Oh, yes. Kyle Baker contributed it as well. We read this for Take a Look. It's in a book a a month or two ago. We were blown away by it. Floored. And I still think about it. So well written and amazingly illustrated. It's my runaway. It just runs away with my memo this year for Best Graphic. And the the quality of the hardcover and the printing and the coloring and the art, it was just, it leveled everything. This was amazing. It's going to win all the Eisners. Tell me a story. story Look, these comics don't make themselves. It's true. You can't have good comics without great creators. And now it's time to go to, into our creator-centric portion of the program, starting with best colorist, Matt Baum. Who's your best colorist of 2013? You know, they don't get enough love. And we try and talk about them every chance we get because artists are artists and some of them look great in black and white, but colorists can bring so much to a book. I don't think anyone out there, my knee-jerk reaction is to give this to Dave Stewart. Because he's so damn good. Because BPRD, Baltimore, Sledgehammer 44, Hellboy, none of these books look the way they do without that guy. He's so damn talented, but I have to give it a tie 
You did a tie earlier. I did it. I didn't do a tie. You it was tie. one long story. You did a tie. I'm doing a tie. I'm giving it to Dave Stewart and splitting it with Monsta Vincente, the guy that makes the private eye look so damn good. That webcomic is stunning. And his color, he, there's nothing flashy. It's flat, very flat, but it works so well with Martine's art. I absolutely adore what this guy does. You're a cheater. Whatever. Who's your best colorist, Joe Patrick? Best colorist is Dave Stewart. Okay. (laughs) But I didn't need to give him no dang tie. His work on the BPRD, on the the Magnolia universe is amazing. Primarily, I'm giving it to him for his work on Baltimore. It's so moody and atmospheric, and it's all, it's just like early 20th century bombed out Europe. Uh, Just amazing, dark, moody coloring. Uh, with bright flashes of color where appropriate. There, there's no mistaking a book colored by Dave Stewart. I love the guy. Right on. And he gets my Beppo. Honorable mention to Jordi Belair. Yeah. Who colors a lot of amazing books for Marvel and Image. Yeah. I love her work too. You can't judge a book by looking at the cover. Sometimes you can judge a book by its cover because it is so damn beautiful. Other times, maybe the story can't quite keep up. Regardless, we're talking about the best cover artist of 2013, Joe Patrick, who gets your golden beppo. Hands down, Francesco Francavia. Me too! Yeah! He's so good! Anything that dude does. Black yeah. Beetle, Afterlife with Archie especially. Yes. Like, the way he homages... Who, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. The way he homages... These old, old, like, Saul Bass movie posters. Not always Saul Bass, but these old movie posters. There's a cinematic quality to his work. It kind of adds a weight to the comic that I don't think it would normally have. Uh, I think his work is stunning. Not to mention the fact that he has two to three covers that come out a month, counting variants and stuff. And he's doing interiors. Yeah. The guy is amazing. The body of work that he's cranking out is just amazing. And not only that, but he's also like just doing fun stuff on the side, like Batman 1972. If you haven't seen that stuff, you need to track that down. Yeah. Batman reimagined as an inner city like black exploitation movie. (laughs) It's, uh, It's so great. And so I don't know where this guy finds the time to do anything but draw. Could and be, so he could be chained up somewhere. He could be. He gets my Beppo and Matt's as well. Honorable mention for me, Paolo Rivera, who has gotten the Beppo from us before. Yes. But this year, he has been doing some amazing Guardians of the Galaxy variant covers yeah. that look like old EC comics. They're beautiful. They're so good. Yeah, really they're, cool. They're so good. They look like like old EC sci-fi comics from the 50s. Oh, they're amazing. So, honorable mention, Paolo Rivera. I believe we have the right combination. Speaking of dudes that don't have time to do anything but create... Sometimes a book is handled by a solo creator. He does the writing and the art. Double threat! It seems to happen less and less. It's true. Every year. So we like to single out those writer-slash-artists that have the guts to do all the hard work themselves. Matt Baum, who's your favorite writer-artist of the year? I had no choice but to give my golden Beppo to Matt Kent for his work on mind management at Dark Horse. If there is a more bizarre, dense beautiful and interesting comic story out there i do not know of it 
at present, that is. <laughs> this book is amazing. And Kent, as you pointed out, goes out of his way to load the comic, the regular issues, with Easter eggs for people that buy it monthly that do not appear in the collected versions. Mm-hmm. Such a cool idea. And this is such a fun comic. And it literally starts on the cover and goes all the way to the back cover. There are no ads. Yeah, front to back, man. Smashed in it, drawn in the margins, written secretly in panels. It is so cool. The downside is that every issue probably takes like forty-five minutes to read. Oh yeah, it's totally <laughs> worth your money. It is. It is my my one big regret of the year. My let's have some perspective. It's my one big comic regret of okay, the year. Okay, that I did not keep up with mind management. I have volumes one and two. I plan to get caught up. I just, there wasn't enough time. It's wonderful. I'm into it. I just need to make the time to read it. Who's your best writer artist, Joe Patrick? For me, my Beppo goes to Jeff Lemire for his work on Trillium, a miniseries from Vertigo that just recently hit the halfway point. Yeah. It is a love story, 3,000 years in the making. That will destroy the universe. That's the tagline. And possibly the most original love story format ever. (laughs) So cool. It's such an inventive piece of work. Like Mind Management, it is the sort of book that rewards careful reading, not quick reading. Uh, It's a, you know, it's a, it's a DC comic, so it's not, it's got the trappings of a corporate comic, like it'll have ads and, and things like that. He can't get away with going quite as far as Matt Kent. Right. But... You know, you will be reading the book from front to back and then suddenly realize you need to flip the book and read it from back to front. It is a very inventive in its storytelling, beautifully drawn, heartbreaking, touching. I can't wait to see how it wraps up. The rhyme writer could never be a biter. Check it out, blah, uno. You know what it's all about. Well, not all writers can draw, but that's not always a bad thing. Some of them are pretty good at just doing the job of putting pen to paper and writing some of your favorite comic stories. Right now, we're going to hand out Golden Beppos for the best writer. Joe Patrick, who was your favorite? There were a lot of books that I read that I really adored. And my struggle with the Beppos every year is that my favorite reads aren't always by my favorite creators, which right. is weird to say. No, I mean, that's fair. But this year, some of my favorite reads were written by one man. Uh, he had a great year. He's been steadily building for years now, starting in the indie world, coming to Marvel, knocking it out of the park, being trusted with their biggest event. Jonathan Hickman right is on. my favorite writer of the year. Right on. For reasons that should be obvious. Yeah. I don't even think like we no. really need to go into it. He's incredible. And I thought about him too, but I couldn't do it. Rick Remender as well. <sighs> because of just the body of work that he's doing. Captain America. Awesome. Uncanny, uh, uncanny Avengers. Totally great. Like he's killing it on everything he's doing. But I had to think of the one book that consistently made me giggle every month. I'm giving it to Dan Slott, the superior Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He's sure. focused. He's doing the job. He's not anywhere else. He's doing one thing and killing it. It's so damn good. Dan Slot gives my golden number. It's a great pick. All right. These are funny books we're talking about. We don't read real books around here. Books of pictures, please. <laughs> These pictures got to be created by somebody. And they got to look good. They got to look good. 
some books look better than others. It's true. And that's why we give a Beppo to the best artist of the year, Matt. Who was your best artist in 2013? My best artist goes to Marcos Martin for his work on The Private Eye. He has created a vision of the future that is unlike anything I have ever seen. And it is stark, it's simple, and it's thin line, but it is beautiful. It's deep, it's three-dimensional while still being completely flat. It is so interesting. And his perspective is interesting without being bizarre or hard to follow. And I think he's got one of the most difficult jobs in comics right now illustrating this bizarre story. Marcos Martin gets my golden depo. It's a good one. Joe Patrick, who's your favorite artist this year? This was probably the hardest category for me. It really is. There's so much quality out there. Yeah. And when it came down to it, I had to judge. I had to pick a name based on how the work made me feel, not necessarily the quantity of work they produced or even the number of their books that I read. Right. So when it came down to it, I gave my award to J.H. Williams III based solely on one issue of Sandman Overture. The guy's just too good. He's too good. Because I don't read Batwoman. And it's a sh- I, I know that people love that book. Well, he didn't do a whole lot of Batwoman this year. It was several other artists. That's, yeah, and that's a fair point. He focused on writing Batwoman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until he got fired. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he was too good. Right. They fired him. Sandman Overture number one came out, I believe it was in October. Within that one oversized issue that took J.H. Williams, however, who knows how long to draw, he was able to beautifully and wonderfully utilize multiple different styles of art. Right. Your, his typical, you know, drawn style. Then it would go to the, this beautiful, lushly painted style. Somehow, like a woodcut look when dealing with the 1800s, you know, Sandman's, uh, his lawyer's office or whatever it was. Right. I have not read a book more beautiful than Sandman Overture number one. Stunning in every way. And not just the style of his drawing, but the way he does it, the storytelling the pacing, the paneling, the layouts, uh, everything about his work is a piece of art. Yeah, he can do, and he's shown he can do whatever he wants. Right. And you know, meanwhile, the dude's out there drawing album covers for like the sword <laughs> that we don't even know about it. It is a kick-ass album <laughs> yeah. cover too, I'll tell you and what. He's so versatile and he's so talented that even though I enjoyed Isad Ribic, Oh boy. Whoa, yeah. doctor. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Jerome Pena again, knocking it out of the park on Infinity. But I had to give it to J.H. Williams III because nothing, I can't, uh, artistically speaking, I don't think there's anybody on his level. Yeah, working at his level? No. I agree. Sometimes it just takes one issue to knock it out of the park. And when we sat down to try and dig through the literally thousands of comics that we read this year, there was one that stood out for both of us. Uh, figuratively thousands. I bet, I bet I read thousands. <laughs> I, I bet I did. I don't think you did. So we dug through the pile and came up with our best single issues of 2013. Joe Patrick, kick us off. Who gets your golden Beppo? You know how hard it is to pick just one? It's damn near impossible. 
And I changed my mind while we were recording the show. That's true. Not only is it hard to pick one, it's hard to remember everything you've read. Oh, God, yeah. In the course of a year. And that's not just true for guys that have podcasts. That's true for anyone. That's not just true for guys that smoke a lot of weed. Right. (laughs) But one book stuck with me. One issue stuck with me from the point I read it through the entire year. And that book was Zero, number two, from Image Comics. Written by Ailes Cott with art by Trad Moore. Great choice. Zero is an interesting little book. Uh, It started off with an issue about an operative going into a war zone to retrieve a piece of uh, genetic, uh, like, super soldier technology from the body of a super soldier while that soldier was fighting. Another super soldier. Right. (laughs) And from there, it only got weirder and more wonderful zero number two was a flashback to the main character's life being raised in this sort of government orphanage to be a super spy right and sent to kill his first his first man and of course it does not go as you would expect unexpected art by trad Moore. it's not the sort of story that you would think a flashy you know kind of Luther Strode is a super over-the-top violent book. Right. Very cartoony in style. He's not subtle. But it worked so well, and that issue affected me so deeply that it's I'm giving it my Beppo, hands down. Right on. As the best single read. Though Zero is not my favorite series of the year, that one reading experience was my favorite. Sure. Matt, what's your pick? I mentioned him earlier in my best villain category, but my best single issue goes to Avengers Arena number 17. This was the origin of the new arcade as written by Dennis Hopeless with fill-in artist Alessandro Vitti, who did an excellent job here showing us arcade at his lowest point in a story called Rock Bottom, where he rediscovers his love of torturing superheroes and is thrust back into the A-list of villains at Marvel. This issue was so damn human and good I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. And they made me care about a stupid villain that I haven't thought about in years and years and years. Way to go, guys. You get my best issue, Beppo, Avengers Arena number 17. Uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give honorable mention to the final issue of Avengers Arena. That was really good, too. Where things wrap up as violently as you would expect. The young heroes choose to keep what happened a secret because yeah. how do they explain how they all of each this other. death <laughs> and it's revealed that even though arcade gets away you think arcade loses quote unquote because the heroes survive and and they are rescued but as word of what happened hits the internet and more and more people start to find out what happened you see that his goal all along was just to get people talking about well, it. Well, what happened was he thought, all right, fine, you're free to go. I still win. You have to go tell everybody what happened. And they went, no, we're not going to do that. You don't win. And he went, okay, YouTube, here you go. Right. <laughs> and I think that that was such a brilliant way to end that series. Yeah. And it, it makes um it makes Arcade so much more complex. That yeah. He's not interested in killing superheroes. He's interested in attention. Torturing. <laughs> no, no, not even that. For he's, attention. He's interested in... In like his biggest weakness, his biggest fear is to 
not have people right. care about to, what he does to fade away right and i think that that's brilliant speaking of good series this is it this is the final award of the night it's time to award the golden bebo for best series of 2013 map bomb i sound like a broken record it's been all over my best of list. I'm going with Avengers Arena. Oh, I don't think there was a curveball. Actually, I, I didn't think you were going there. A better series that was had everything stacked against it. A bunch of characters that nobody really cared about. Nobody could even really name turned out to be one of the most interesting series I read this year. It was complex. It was beautifully drawn. It was not what anyone thought it was going to be, which was kitty torture porn, basically. It turned out to be one of the most human introspective comics series I've ever read. I loved Avengers Arena. It gets my golden bebo. Joe Patrick, where are you going with this one? I, I can't even see it coming from you. <laughs> I've been reading comics for a really long time. And while I still care about what happens to the characters, I don't often get really worked up. You know, I read all new X-Men and go, oh, that was cool. You know, they, whatever direction they go in. Right. I, I, I know that comics are cyclical and that what it was old will be new again. I know all of these things. And everything's going to be okay. Right. One way or another. <laughs> right. So my pick for best series went to the book. It just gets my juices going. My my nerdy fanboy comic geek. Gross. Blood pumping. Okay. And where I have to look at, even though I get behind, I've got to flip through it and see what happened, what happened, what happened. Okay, the suspense is killing me. And that book is Superior Spider-Man. Okay. That's a very valid choice. Even though they didn't get many of my awards, I gave Best Villain to Doc Ock. It's consistently fan-friggin-tastic. There's no argument. Superior Spider-Man is the one book where I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah. And I'm just so impressed, even though some arcs are better than others. And, you know, sometimes I don't enjoy it as much as I did the month before. Overall, I am just so hooked into this crazy ride that when, I, when Superior Spider-Man finally wraps up, it's probably going to go down as one of my all-time favorites. I think that's safe to say for me as well. And I think it's been an amazing year for this book and for Dan Slott and for the artists that have contributed. It gets my pick for best series of the year. I also think it really says something that both of our best series are Marvel books. You're trying to shoehorn best publisher into there, and I'm not going to let you. I'm just doing it. <laughs> best publisher goes to Image Comics. <laughs> <laughs> We want to thank all of our winners for another amazing year of comic bookery, and we want to hear from you guys, too. If you have been to the THN forums, you may have noticed we asked you what is on your best of list for 2013, and we're happy to announce the first answer of the week podcast for 2014 will be the Listener's Choice Awards. We want to know your best writer, your best artist, and your best series if you need to answer all these questions we have posted all the categories at the thn forums you can go through and you can answer along with all of us but we're only going to pick out the writer artist series that's right and if you'd like to call in as is the traditional answer of the week format you can do so by calling the ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894 keep it under three minutes you know what will happen you can try Skype if you dare. Our Skype handle is 2 nerd, all one word. 
Or you can send an MP3 to, two ho- to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. You host your own little micro award show. And join the MP3 crew. And we'll be leaving that question up for the next week to give you plenty right. of time. The deadline for votes, online votes, and audio responses is January 7th. Tuesday, January 7th, 4 p.m. Central Time. That's when we record the answer of the week. You have until then to contact us. We cannot wait to hear from you guys on this stuff. And we thank you so much for sticking with us for another year of arguing and crying and spitting on each other and making fun of each other behind each other's back on Twitter. What? I don't know what you eat. I don't either. What what was I just talking about? (laughs) It's time for Joe and I to ride off into the sunset. Thank you Head so to the much after party. again for an excellent year. We'll see you at the THN Golden Beppo after parties. It's star-studded. It devolves into a mad nerd orgy of argument. <laughs> ben just gets drunk and starts fighting people. And we'll be back the first THN episode of 2014 next weekend. Love you guys. Can't wait to hear your best of. We'll see you next year right here at the Golden Beppo Awards.